Welcome to the Friday Night Flight. This is Anthony from the Every Morning Quarterback, and tonight we got a great show for everybody. Uh, we're going to be breaking down the 53-man roster, talking about some shockers that happened on that final cut day, talking about maybe some guys that we could still add to this roster. Just remember, it was the initial 53, so we're going to talk about maybe who should be on that final. Uh, we're going to be talking about some breaking news on C.J. Mosley's new restructured deal. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the 2020 draft class and maybe some glaring weaknesses that got shown on cut day. All that coming up on Friday Night Flight. Let's talk about the 2020 draft class. I hate to start on such a somber note as we get the 53-man roster. and That's what everybody wants to talk about. But what the 53-man roster showed was, as I mentioned, some glaring weaknesses in JD's choices in the 2020 NFL draft. When we look back on that draft, even the last five years, I'm going to show you a shocking screen graphic in just a moment. When we look at that 2020 draft, Man, it looks like it was a huge miss, a huge bomb. And as Spider-Man would say, everybody gets one. Uh, and, J and J.D. got his, and it was in 2020. Uh, and, you know, Jets, Jets fans, just like myself, are funny when it comes to Joe Douglas. You either are very pessimistic and you think that every move that he does is going to end up failing in some way down the road, or you're on the other side where because we finally have some competent management, that anybody that even throws any shade at Joe Douglas, it's like you put a bounty on Christ. But I'm somewhere in the middle where I really do think that Joe Douglas is leading us in the right direction. I have all the faith in Joe. But I'm also objective. In a 2020 draft, Jets fans, was not good. Uh, it would appear that in a draft where we had six, seven picks, we have selected no long-term solutions for this team at any position. We look at some of the bigger names. You got Makai Becton. Injuries have derailed his career. That's not on that's not on JD. Denzel Mims, production and consistency, has never scored an NFL touchdown in a regular season game. And he's probably wide receiver number six on this team right now. Bryce Hall. He nearly, I think. We don't, we don't we will never know because he's on that 53, but I think he nearly made this 53-man roster, and he's looked really rough through training camp. And he got replaced by three, four guys in the last two drafts and free agency. He's essentially our fifth corner. Third rounder in that draft, Jabari Zuniga, just got cut and signed to the Seahawks practice squad. And then my man, Ashton Davis. Uh, I, I promise I won't go too in on Ashton Davis because we're going to get to him a little bit more in the 53-man roster. But, I mean, watching this guy try to tackle every single week is like watching a drunken bar fight at 2 a.m. of just people stumbling over each other, hoping they're going to hit something. And I've heard the old adage that a blind squirrel 
even a blind squirrel finds a nut, there's a better chance of a blind squirrel finding enough nuts to feed a whole village before Ashton Davis makes a really productive play on the football field. And yet this guy somehow made the roster. And we're going to get into that part. I want to show you all something too. This is, this is just something else. I'm going to show you Ashton Davis's Wikipedia page here. All right. This is Ashton Davis's Wikipedia page. And if we look closely over here, uh, which is going to be hard to do with this, with this weird zoom I got going on here. But if we look over here, let's take a look at Ashton Davis's career NFL stats. You can kind of see him in the corner here. Three NFL seasons of real meaningful playing time. This guy was starting in his first year. Total tackles, 98. A half of a sack. A half of a sack. Force fumbles, three. Fumble recoveries, one. Pass deflections, four. Interceptions, two. And now if you want your splits, break that off, obviously, uh, into three years. Divide that all by three. I mean... Most capable guy has got a better chance of stumbling into those stats than a guy that's trying his best. And that's my problem with what we've seen out of the 2020 draft class. Let's take a look real quick. This is the last five years between 2015 and 2020. Joe's 2021 and 22 drafts are looking very promising. But look at the stuff that has come out between 2015 and 2020, Jets fans. The, the blue, it just represents guys that are still in the NFL but on other rosters. I mean, and come on now. Only three of those guys are really playing. The pink, which you see a lot of on this graphic, are guys that are not even on an NFL roster. Look at 2015. Look at 2017. Look at 2020. Look at 2020. The green is the only thing that you should be looking at as a positive of some some starters. Quinnen Williams and our punter. Our punter, Braden Mann. The best thing you can say about our punting situation is that it's not Buffaloes. That's the only thing you can say positive about our punting situation is that Braden Mann knows how to behave himself. But you saw in that graphic just all of the misses that have come, and then you wonder why a team like the Jets and our fans have struggled to get out of the cellar. And it's because you got to draft in the NFL. You got to draft confidently. You got to draft well. And I believe what leads, like what leads to these bad drafts the most when you look at it, like how it is a team consistently over five years pick so horribly. I mean, it would appear to most the NFL draft is a crapshoot. And to some degree, it is. But some teams get it right more than others. So that makes you believe that it's not necessarily all a crapshoot. There's some skill to it. A team like the Colts, man, they don't get five bad years in a row. But teams like the Jets and Detroit, the Clevelands of the world, they tend to miss more than the others. I believe that the downfall of any team that has drafted poorly in the NFL is ego over evidence. Ego over evidence. That's what leads to poor drafts consistently. Too often, a general manager or a coach, whoever's leading that draft room, they're passing on production in the favor of projects. 
which is fine. Okay. Because I mean, it, inside of a silo, those can be pretty good decisions maybe, but you can't string seven projects together in one draft and expect success. You can't do it. The odds aren't in your favor. It's like playing a game of blackjack. Every single pick. You've got your cards in front of you. Right? You've got the information. Your evidence is in front of you of maybe just what should dictate your next move. The dealer flips the card over and all of a sudden you got a 16, you got a 17. That's a solid hand that'll win you most tables. It's a productive hand. But you can't help but wonder if the next card is the one that's going to make you a hero, right? All the evidence is telling you to stay. But what would do most people get in the habit of doing? Everyone's looking at you at the table like you're crazy for even thinking about it. And then you get that feeling that you want to try to prove that you know more, that you got what it takes. You want to risk it and you go for the payoff. And that's, that's the payoff in a risky decision is that feeling of being a genius. That's why, that's why it's gambling. And the NFL draft in part is gambling. So you tell the dealer to hit. You took the project. You ruin everybody else's table. And then, and then the reality hits and you bust. And what's happened too much to the Jets in those five years, and we're hopefully starting to turn that around, is we took too many hits took too many busts. GM's got to be better at calculated risk. You got to stack sure thing productions and then mix in the projects. That's how you get better. The Colts are a great example of a team that drafts consistently well. Baltimore consistently well. They draft guys that are productive on tape. They put forth evidence in their play in college that they are production machines. And then they sprinkle in a project or two. And if that project hits, pushes the class over the top. You can win $1,000 playing blackjack by winning 10 hands just as heroically as you can do it all in one. And that's the takeoff, folks. So let's get right into the 53-man roster because I know we've all been waiting to see what we got here on the New York Jets. And actually, after even after that little – Rant I just had about JD's 2020 draft 53 man roster for the first time in a while, Jets fans. It appears that we're cutting good players for better players, which I can't say has happened too far in at least my 30 years as a Jets fan. Let's take a look at the 53 man roster here and we'll kind of go through this thing group by group just to kind of look at who some of the newcomers are, who some of the shockers were. That really kind of, I don't know if we should have cut them or who made this team. We're going to take a look at that as we as we walk through it. Uh, we're going to start up in the quarterback position. Pretty cut and dry in the quarterback position. Zach Wilson, of course, not probably ready to play week one. Joe Flacco, Mike White makes the team. Chris Strebler, we'll get to the practice squad in a moment, has found a home. Boy, Strev magic, baby. Strevolution. Uh, hard not to root for that guy. Super happy that uh, he found a home back on the New York Jets, but um, hard out to root for that guy. The quarterback room is a strong room. I don't think Flacco's getting enough credit for solid vet that he is. So, I mean, I think we're in good hands with Joe Flacco, and I think Mike, Mike White saved his job in the last game of the NFL season. And clearly from, uh, from last season starting him in, in three games, we have faith in that Mike White 
if it got to that point, could do something and lead the team. Running back position, key returners, Michael Carter, Ty Johnson. I love Ty Johnson. I think Ty, people have been trashing Ty Johnson online. Like, how did this guy make, make the team? I mean, he made it over Tevin Coleman and LaMichael P. Ryan. He absolutely should have made this team. Like, we were calling Tevin Coleman getting cut on this show and on the Every Morning Quarterback for weeks. The newcomers, Brees Hall and Zonovan Knight. Right, man, I, you, you, if you follow this show, you know for four weeks I've been in Zonovan Knight's corner. Bam. Bam Knight's corner. Uh, I mean, this guy in college, 21 touchdowns, 18 rushing, and three on kickoff returns just in, in three seasons at NC State. He has a nose for the end zone. He has a nose for the big play. You saw that in the preseason. And Brees Hall, I mean, there's not a better running back in the NFL in his first year right now that is better at the quick cutting, that just accelerating, and catching the ball out of the backfield. What a great third down option Brees Hall is going to be. I mean, he averaged 10 point, I think it was nine, eight yards a catch over at, over at Iowa State. So that's going to be great to have for Zach and for Joe. The wide receiver room, I wouldn't say there was shockers in this position. I really wanted Calvin Jackson, but I'd be lying if he wasn't, if I wasn't, you know, sold that he was in the top five. I think he would have been six. So the fact that we went Denzel Mims at six, I'm I'm not mad at that at all. Denzel Mims had a great preseason and he did look like the number six guy. Interesting. I we were talking about shockers. Uh, I'm a little shocked that we kept Denzel Mims only because I thought there was a trade market. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw what Joe Douglas wanted for Denzel Mims in return. I think he got a little bit con- a little bit confused because he, he plays in the same area as the Brooklyn Nets, but he wanted like a Kevin Durant package for Denzel Mims, which was pretty interesting. Uh, if now I think that was that was going to happen. He was pulling like a Danny Ainge. He was trying to fleece somebody. I want you know seven first round picks and R.J. Barrett for uh, you know Denzel Mims. Uh, I think Elijah Moore is ready to bust out. Get ready for a big Elijah Moore season. Corey Davis, I think he's going to even have a little bit stronger of a year. He looked good last year. I think he's going to have a stronger year. Garrett Wilson, we're not ready for what Garrett Wilson's going to bring to this team. His route running is precise. 12 touchdowns, 1,000 yards at Ohio State just last year. Uh, and then you got Mims, who I say could play the Z behind Davis. And um, you got Braxton Berrios, who's my guy, you know. Braxton Berrios, they like to call him in New York the Miami multi, multi-tool, multi which uh, I don't know about that nickname. Um, that's more reserved for probably Kyle Kyle Lowry instead of ba- instead of Braxton Berrios. But um, shout out to Berrios, too. He was brought up a bunch. Uh, on Monday, I got a chance to be on the Jet X Factor live Q&A with the one and only Wayne Corbett. And uh, Wayne had some very high praise for Braxton Berrios, so – Props to Braxton. Everyone's a big fan. The the tight end room, CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, Jeremy Ruckert, all the givens. We've been calling on this show for four weeks. Lawrence Cager, the wide receiver who converted to tight end. So glad that he made it. He's been working his tail off. He converted just last year to, to tight end, and he had a really strong preseason. That's another wide receiver tool for Zach and for Joe. We get to the offensive line, Jets fans, and there was some interesting choices here. The Jets decided to keep one less offensive lineman than I think most people thought. We got George Fan, Connor McGovern, he's in his seventh season, Elijah Vera Tucker, Dan Feeney with the mustache, 
Dwayne Brown is a newcomer. Lakin Tomlinson, obviously, is a big free agent signing. Nate Herbig, I like Nate a lot. And Max Mitchell's the rookie. The depth at tackle is going to be an interesting thing to look at. I was really hoping we were going to claim somebody off of the off of the waiver wire. My my hope was uh, actually another undrafted free agent rookie. Uh, Packers had a beast in camp that nobody was even talking about. Caleb Jones, this dude was like 6'9", 370, and kind of maybe fill that Becton role of just a monster on the end. And uh, he actually passed through waivers and got re-signed by Green Bay on their practice squad. But the Jets need to address the depth at because we got, we got Fant. Fant can be injury prone. All you got behind them is a first year Max Mitchell. So there's not a lot of depth happening there. And uh, I would question whether a guy like Herbie can can swing to tackle or not. So look for the Jets to make another move at tackle. That's something to keep an eye on. There were some guys that have been cut. Alex Leatherwood. Interesting. I think he's horrible. <laughs> You know, but he's a first round pick. Uh, and if you can maybe get him on kind of a vet min and see what he can do, not a bad backup, not a bad insurance policy. So keep an eye. The defensive line moving to the D line. This is where that tackle spot went because the Jets kept one more than probably we all were thinking. They kept 11 on the D line. Um, Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins. A surprise in Nathan Shepard. He was on that draft uh, graphic that I showed earlier. Uh, one of the guys that somehow still on a roster. I think you could have made the case that Shepard could have, should have been cut. We haven't seen much from Nate Shepard um, so far in his Jets career. Let's see if this is the year. Coaches clearly like him. Salah loves him. Salah raves about him every time he gets a chance to talk about him. So if you're one of Salah's guys, you probably have a spot on this team, but haven't seen that production. Bryce Huff, so glad that we, that we kept Bryce Huff. Led the preseason All-NFL in quarterback pressures. Um, this guy at Oregon, man, he he's had a decent NFL career, but he's quick on the edge. And he gets to the quarterback. He can collapse a pocket. I like that we kept Bryce Huff. And then you got Solomon Thomas and Jacob Martin coming in as the newcomers. And Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens. Um, if you want to know what it looks like, if a certified serial killer is let loose on the defensive edge, it's Michael Clements. I mean, this dude, this dude's scary. And what he did to Tyrod Taylor in the last game um, was probably like an assault. I mean, I like the guys calling the game like, well, he kind of rolled off of him. So it, it's all right. Rolled off of him after he drove him through the earth's core. He rolled off of him. But yeah, yeah. Michael Clements is a beast, man. People are going to be shocked. I think, bold take, Michael Clemens might be better than Jermaine Johnson, who was the first-round pick. What a steal for the New York Jets. Um, and who's had worse luck than Tyrod Taylor in, in, in recent openings of seasons? <laughs> Jeez. He gets hurt in this game. when I mean, he's sitting behind Daniel Jones. He's got a great chance to play this year. And, uh, you know, if it's not his team, his his team actual doctor stabbing him in the heart with like a needle, then he's getting pile drive by Michael uh, Clemens and things are going south. Um, moving forward, though, uh, I like the D-line a lot. So there's depth here. I think the reason we took an extra guy on the D-line, uh, that front four is going to be what needs to get pressure on the quarterback. We're not strong at the linebacker position. We're not strong at free safety, which we'll get to in a moment. 
And those are the two most important positions in the Robert Sala cover three bail system. So if you don't have those in place, you have to then get pressure on the quarterback quick. And I think that that front four, the Quinnen, John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, and then kind of rotate through the rest of them, Jermaine Johnson, Thomas, Clemens. Uh, this could be pretty scary. So you you got guys also like you got a guy like Vinny Vinny Curry who was placed on who was placed on short term IR. That's another guy that get to the quarterback quickly. So I like what we did by keeping an extra guy instead of getting rid of somebody who could help this team. I like that we kept depth. Uh, the linebacker position to almost round out the whole fifty three man roster here: C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams, um, Quan. Speaking of murder on the football field, Quan Alexander on that forced fumble against the New York Giants. Um, he woke up and he chose violence on that hit. Uh, so it's nice to have Quan there. He, he's been a average to slightly below average tackler the last few years. So we'll see if he can get back to kind of his San, his, his San Fran form. Uh, and then we, we kept Jamie Sherwood, who I'm a huge fan of. Jeremy, I mean, Jamie Sherwood just brings the wood. So I really like that we kept some some linebackers who uh, who were hard hitting. They got nose to the ball. We ended up cutting uh, Harris, and then we brought him back. He's practice squad currently, so not on the fifty three, but obviously he'll be one of the first ones that gets pushed up um, if any injuries happen. So I like that we kept Marcel. Um, moving to the defensive backs, my only my only gripe, by the way, on the linebackers is to play Salah's cover three bail system, unless Coach Salah plans on shifting things a little bit uh the only difference is is that we don't have a lot of speed at that linebacker position so getting out to those flats in a in a hurry unless we're getting pressure on the quarterback quick um, and being able to try to diagnose a play action and then backpedal back into coverage i don't know if we have the backers for that so we're going to find out in defensive backs this is where the most controversy happened inside of our 53-man roster. So Joyner makes a team. Sauce makes the team, obviously. DJ Reed, Michael Carter II, who's flashed this preseason. Get ready for a big year for Michael Carter II as our as our number one slot corner. Brandon Eccles obviously makes this team. Then came the hard decisions. So Justin Hardy made this team based off of special teams. Um, if you watched uh, PSI last night, they were even talking about the other show on our network that talks Patriots football, how much Bill – loves the special teamers and i think you got to have a guy like justin hardy i know i i only had him on one of my 53-man rosters because i was i was too like enamored with all the flashy toys but you got to have a guy like justin hardy who sets the tone sets that just aggressiveness on on that special teams and he he's a guy you want in the locker room too so i don't mind the pick i like him a lot and uh, he won't be playing corner for this team. So I like the, the move for strictly special special teams. He's got that dog in him. Remember, you have that old speech, got a dog in him. Knowing what we know now, how they use that term with Zach Wilson, I don't, I don't, know, if that, I don't know if that's what Justin Hardy is talking about. Uh, and then we got Jordan Whitehead, obviously, at the safety position. And Bryce Hall made the, made the, made the team. So Bryce Hall was one that I thought was going to get cut or traded. Uh, and I still think we could have got value. Who knows what Joe Douglas was offering or wanted in return for Bryce Hall. If it's anything like his package that he wanted back for Denzel Mims and Bryce Hall is arguably a better asset, uh, I can only imagine a King's ransom 
I can only imagine what he actually wanted for that. Probably wanted to build a new stadium based off of what he got back for that. So um, pretty interesting move there. So Bryce Hall's there. He's our, he's going to be our fifth corner. Safety is where all the drama happened, man. Safety's where the drama happened. So we kept Joyner. We kept Whitehead. But now we need to backfill the free safety position. And Will, Will Parks flashed in preseason. Philly will. Jason Pinnock, cornerback converted to safety. I just did a whole thing on my show last week about Jason Pinnock. Eggs on, eggs on my face. Um, this guy has got all the physical tools. I'm still a little hurt that we got rid of Jason Pinnock. Um, but in the same breath, I get it. You know, in the same breath, I get it. It's not, it's not like we are letting go the surest thing of all time. He's still a prospect. He's still learning. Um, but Jason, Jason Pinnock was a guy that I think we, we should have kept and then gotten Tony Adams, who made the roster, back on practice squad. Robert Stala was quoted as saying earlier this week that he thought they had a better chance uh, of getting Pinnock back on practice squad than Tony Adams. If I had a BS meter, uh, it'd be fully charged right now and going off the charts. I'm not sure if Robert Sala knows that nobody else besides Robert Sala knew Tony Adams even existed until they made the final 53-man roster. <laughs> I follow this team very closely, and he was on the back of my mind as a guy that like other teams are going to be lining up to go and grab some Tony Adams. So I think he made a mistake there. If he really wanted to keep Pennant, should have kept them Tony Adams practice squad, and then you can inter interchange them. So we lost Pinnock to the New York Giants. Tony Adams, I watched some film on him this week after he made the roster. As I said, I didn't even know he even existed until last week. So I watched some film, pleasantly surprised. I mean, he's a guy that had an ACL injury in, in college, has played some corner, has played some, has played some safety. Not terribly fast, but he's smart. And it looked to me when I was watching the film that he he can read plays very, very well. And just in, I think, one season at, at Illinois, uh, to quote me earlier, he stumbled into some better stats than Ashton Davis has had in his three full seasons in the NFL. Which brings me to the last safety. Yeah, Ashton Davis made the roster. So I already ripped on him earlier. I'm not going to go further on the guy. I'm sure he's got a family. Um, but, yeah. Ashton Davis made this team. So just going to have to deal with it, Jets fans. He might not be there for long. Who knows? He might have a resurgence, eggs on my face. I'll wear that proudly. If he wins his football games, man, I'll come here on every single week and I'll backtrack and play that clip back. So which leads us, before we finish tonight, with who else the Jets can add to this roster. So we mentioned it's the initial 53. It's the initial 53, so it's not the final. So we got some guys back on the Jets practice squad. Uh, we signed back almost all of the guys that I really liked that we that we ended up cutting. Strevler, you know, Will Parks, Jonathan Marshall, uh, Nazarildeen, Grant Hermans, I think, could be our answer at that tackle. Uh, he's he's got he was the guy starting fights in camp, man. He's this guy's got toughness. And Bradley and I, man, he's 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 back in the fold. Calvin Jackson too. 
one guy I really like there, and we're talking about some linebacker depth, is Chaz Surratt. Chaz Surratt is a guy, when he was in college for North Carolina, maybe we all can recognize Chaz Surratt's name. He played quarterback at college before he converted to linebacker. So pretty interesting there. You don't see that conversion quite a lot. Um, he was good. He was he was an award-winning linebacker in college. Um, and he was a, I think he was a third, fourth-round pick for the Minnesota Vikings. He gets cut. So he, he, he comes on into the fold. He's got that speed we were talking about. He's a little undersized, but he's got that speed that we were talking about. Um, and he's good at play recognition. So we'll see if Chad Surratt finds his way up to the roster as well. So some guys, two guys that I think we got to take a look at. We got to address safety. If this Jets team is going to do anything, we got to address safety. The Patriots have 20 of them, uh, and we only seem to have like two. So we got to address safety position for sure. Two guys still available that got cut and passed through waivers. Joe Quisky Tart, a San Fran guy, played under Robert Sala. He's familiar with this cover three bail system. I mean, it's an ideal fit. Never really been a playmaker, uh, but look no further than his drop pass in the NFC Championship game. But he's always been reliable, and he's fundamentally sound, and he's good in coverage, and he doesn't make mistakes. That's exactly what this team needs. Uh, and over the past three seasons, man, he's only allowed 295 and four touchdowns over 33 games. So it's very possible that we could also – Look to add Marquise Blair. Got cut from Seattle, former second-round pick, 2019. Former Utah prospect. Um, he had a great rookie season. And then I believe he got hurt, torn ACL uh, in 2020. Missed pretty much the whole season. I think he played in a game or two. Um, and he's really only appeared in six games since then. So the injury, he's still coming back from the injury. But if he he's had a year and a half now, they always tell you about two years, probably is the ACL recovery time frame for a guy that's cutting and moving a lot if he can come back and be anything like he was rookie year marquise blair is a young player to take a look at who's played both nickel cornerback and safety during his time in seattle he's another one he he, he fits the he fits the scheme right pete carroll runs a very similar cover cover three system that the new york jets are trying to employ um, so marquise blair can fit that as well all right, so before we get to our stealth spotlight, that's kind of my breakdown of the New York Jets roster, and there was one more move that got made today. Um, it was C.J. Mosley. So C.J. Mosley, they J J.D. restructured C.J. Mosley's deal literally like hours ago, and very unlike J.D. move. Normally, I mean, we were looking at C.J. Mosley's deal that which was going to expire next year as kind of an albatross that as good as CJ Mosley is, and he's a great locker room presence. We're getting out from under that contract, but JD had other plans and he restructured the deal. So our cap hit is only now about 5.59 million in 2022. And then it bumps to about 21, four um, over the next two years. We do save, Six and a half mil next year if he ends up getting getting cut, but it's still 15 mil dead cap. So we restructure to keep CJ around for the next three years. And I need, it's a deal that's been very controversial on social media and on Twitter and on all the blogs because we thought we were going to just get out of the deal and take the money. Uh, but if 
if the worst choice that Joe Douglas made with this um, is that we, we have a 30-year-old four-time Pro Bowl guy that, as I mentioned, is a locker room leader, um, it's, it's going to be okay. And C.J. Mosey can still play football. He's not exactly maybe the prototypical speed backer that we would like to have in the system right now. Um, but I, I think it was a good move to restructure for this year. And that's for the only reason I say that for this year is because teams like to go into a season with cap space, which the Jets just created 5.59 mil. Uh, because we really, I mean, more than that, I'm sorry, more than he's getting 5.5. No, no, we, we just saved like $20 million on, on that, on that restructuring this deal. Um, it's because teams want to have flexibility to add players when guys inevitably go down. And if there's not a more snake bitten team than the New York jets, guys will go down. Um, so unless we see the answers on practice squad, we're going to want that money, um, to sign some guys. Okay. Especially maybe even a tart or a Marquise Blair. Wrapping up tonight with our annual Stealth Spotlight. Tonight's Stealth Spotlight is a guy that all Jets fans have praised. Not very much, you know, high on the list of maybe some of the greatest greatest running backs ever played for this franchise. Uh, but we got to give due where, where, where due is needed for Bilal Powell. If you remember Bilal Powell, this guy was speaking to the heart and soul of the New York Jets. I mean, this guy was it. He had some runs like this one against Jacksonville. Oh, my God. I mean, but for real, though. In nine seasons with New York, 2011 to 2019, Powell was eighth among Jets' all-time leading rushers. He had a big 75-yarder against Jacksonville that everybody kind of, you know, holds up there as one of the best plays from that era. Um, you know, Midway through the first quarter in that game, Josh McCown pitched the ball to him. He ran like seven yards, fell to the turf, got up, and then he quickly ran as much as he can. He sprinted literally another 68 yards. It was amazing. Uh, that play just sums up Bilal Powell. That dude just had a knack for making a big play. He had a knack for not quitting on any drive or any handoff or any pitch. Uh, and some of the fondest memories in green and white during an era that didn't have so many fond memories, right? 2011 to 2015 was okay. And then he stuck around for some of the, some of the real, the real down years. So Powell's career with the jets officially came to a close when they actually re-signed him just a couple months ago um, to a one day contract, which is really cool to see the team do that. To see teams honor the guys like that Patriots just did it with, you know, white, to honor the guys that are under the radar but have contributed to culture or to some fond memories for us fans. And Powell's one of those guys, for sure. Um, huge Bilal Powell guy. So That's all we got for tonight, Friday Night Flight. Um, really heavy on the 53-man roster because next week there's football. Can you smell it in the air? There's football. We literally are – Nine days away from Ashton Davis giving up a 65-yard touchdown. <laughs> but, no, we are ready. Next weekend, Baltimore coming to MetLife. The whole show next Friday, we're going to be breaking down pieces of, of this game, looking at how Flacco stacks up against the blitz scheme that we're going to probably see from the Mike McDonald now Baltimore Ravens defense. We're going to be looking at 
who is going to be shining on that defensive side of the ball? How do we slow down the Baltimore run game? How do we slow down the freak that is the Lamar Jackson show? We're really going to be diving into the X's and O's of the Ravens and the Jets game, talking about some new New York Jets headlines, got another stealth spotlight for everybody, and a brand new New York minute. Follow the Every Morning Quarterback on social media, at EMQ Podcast, Instagram, Twitter. Please like and subscribe as the little thumbs up is telling you to do. On YouTube to the Every Morning Quarterback. You can catch all of our brand shows during the week. You got PSI, Pat Stanzink. You got the Late Night Niners. You got us, Friday Night Flight. Follow us on Twitter at FNF underscore Jets for all of your New York content whoo i can't wait baby football happens next week baltimore is already shaking because elite flack daddy's coming back baby join us next week friday night 8 p.m